story that comes from London. We had been in Russia running a campaign in Kazan where they had the G20 summit. We went to the city of London. Nobody except our immediate family and team knew we, we were going to London. We went there because they'd asked us to run a citywide campaign in, in London. We went to meet the brethren there. Beverly used to love, still does, Princess Di. And so she was in, we, we thought we'd go down, she wanted to go down to Kensington Palace and go down because they were having a memorial for Princess Di. And so reluctantly, as a person who can't stand another palace, I went down with Beverly to Kensington Palace. We had some friends there who were coming over to join us from the United States on Monday. They went inside the palace. I was peopled out. Pastor Grolleman probably knows what I'm talking about. I'd been running a campaign. I was peopled out. And so I said, I'm going to find a place where nobody will know that I'm, I'm even alive. And I went around the back of Kensington Palace. And this is hard to believe, but in the name of God, it is the truth. I was sitting by myself under a tree on a little chair at the back of Kensington Palace. I had my head down. I was sitting in that strange phenomenon in England, which is called sunshine. And as I was sitting there, I heard a voice say to me, Pastor Carter. So I, I looked up and there was a man and his wife. And they said, we came to this spot because we believed you'd be here. So I got up and I said, what are you talking about? They said, we were watching television. Pastor Grolleman, this is true. Because God has a time and a place for everything and every person. Just as God has got a time and a place for this church. And this man said to me with his wife standing there, we tuned into television and all these satellite channels went out and we could only get one satellite channel. It was 3ABN. God moves my friend in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. They said, we watched you on 3ABN. They said, we were atheists living in London. And they said, as we watched you on 3ABN, we gave our lives to Christ. And then she said, the lady said, we prayed that God would help us to meet you. And we had an, now folks, nobody knows where I'm going. I mean, I'm not Barack Obama. I'm, you know, we had an impression after praying that you would be in London. Hadn't been to London for years. 
London is a big city. They said, we had an impression from the Holy Spirit that you would be at Kensington Palace. And we had an impression that you would be there today. And we had an impression you would be there at 11 o'clock. I've told people, some people are this unbelievers and they say, it's coincidence. Yes, it's a chance of one in a thousand billion if you work it out. But I want you to know something. In the plan of God, nothing happens by chance. God has got a time and a place for everything and every person. God has an appointment and an appointment with each one of us. God has an appointment with the nation, with the world, and with the church. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15, the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15. So God has got a time and God has got a place and today we're talking about the hour of God's power. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The Bible says that John said and Jesus said it, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Firstly today, I want to talk about the hour of God's appointment. Then I'm going to talk about the power. So this sermon today falls simply into two clauses. Number one, the hour, and the second part is of his power. The hour. We live in the hour, my friends, when God is about to finish his work. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is sovereign Lord. Not America, not the Russians, and not the Chinese. But Jesus Christ is in charge of this world. He's in charge of this church. He's in charge of you. He's Lord of all. Come over here to Romans, and please turn in your Bibles. I'm an old-fashioned Bible preacher. God has blessed me because I preach from the Word of God. I'm not a philosopher. I preach from the Word. Romans 9 and verse 28. The Bible says, For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It says in the KJV, He will finish his work and cut it short in righteousness. The Bible teaches that Christ is the Lord of history, the Lord of nations, the Lord of the church, and the Lord of the final consummation. God had an hour when Christ came as a baby. Daniel chapter 9 tells us when the Messiah would come. The book of Galatians says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Christ, our blessed Lord, was born on time, baptized on time, preached on time, and died on time according to the Scriptures. On one occasion, they tried to kill Jesus, but the Bible says they could not hurt the Lord 
because his hour had not yet come. That is why I want you to know that you are immortal until your work on earth is finished. I am never afraid when I go to a place like El Salvador where you've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of gang members because I am immortal until my work on earth is done. And so they tried to kill Jesus, but they couldn't because his hour had not yet come. But the time did come when Jesus said, the hour has come. You can read this in scripture. The Bible says he actually used the words, my time has come. And the Bible teaches that there is an hour when God in Christ will finish his work. I believe that we have come to this hour. And I pray God that he will do something soon for Australia. As I wander around the streets of Sydney, as I did last night, I say, God, do something soon for Australia. You could be part of God's plan. I want you to come to Revelation chapter 14, please. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6 and onwards. Revelation 14. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. He had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. This is God's hour. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. I want you, my Australian brother and sister, to notice briefly this morning four great signs that tell us we've come to the hour of God's judgment. Number one, the moral fall of the United States of America, a nation raised up by God as a bastion of truth and liberty. The second sign is this. Now some of these things are controversial, but truth is always controversial. Number two, the growing power of the papacy and the apparent collapse of the Protestant Reformation. Not in the White House, but in the Vatican we have Pope Francis, who is the first Jesuit in history to sit in the Vatican. Of course, the Jesuits came from Ignatius of Loyola. And the Jesuits came into being with one determination, and you can read this, you can Google it, one determination to overthrow the Protestant faith. The great issue today is the gospel. And I want to say this to you and look you in the eye. If you don't get the gospel straight, you won't be straight on anything. Today, as Pastor Harker can tell you, there is a growing conciliation 
particularly in America, of the Protestant world and the Vatican. You know why it's happening. Because the Protestants have come to see the gospel exactly the same as the Jesuits. It is becoming mainstream Protestant theology. Now the Protestants had a rallying call. Sola Christus, only Christ. Sola Scriptura, only Scripture. Sola Gratia, only grace. Sola Fide, only faith. But today this is being cast aside. And around the world, particularly in the United States, they are saying there is no reason why we cannot unite with Pope Francis. Most Adventists would think that was a sign of the times. The third sign, the groanings of the earth. Not only is the earth groaning under moral filth, When Dr. Ben Carson, the great Adventist neurosurgeon from the great John Hopkins University was invited to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast at the White House. Did you see it? He said to President Obama, America is drowning in a sea of moral filth and we are walking in the footsteps of the Roman Empire. I had the privilege of going to Russia when communism was still ruling. I had the privilege of running the first ever evangelistic campaign by a foreigner in the Soviet Union. Explain this to me. I want you to think about it. If you're a skeptic, you don't believe in evangelism. You don't believe in being excited when these young people are singing so great. You don't believe in outreach. Explain this to me. Here is an audience of 7,000 communists and atheists. Uh, Three sessions a day to fit them in. But here is one session. It's the six o'clock session. We've had one at four. This is six. Going to have one at eight. People are standing outside. They've already broken down the doors. There's glass everywhere. You know who the ushers are? The young men from the KGB. The KGB. They're serving as the ushers. And you say... God is not alive. You couldn't run a campaign anymore in Sydney. You couldn't build a great church here. You couldn't build a cathedral for the glory of God. People like who talk like that, my friend, don't listen to them. They need to find Christ. They need the gospel. Explain this to me. 7,000 Communists, they won't even look at me. They're more conservative than you are to preach to. That's telling you something. They don't move. 
They don't respond. They're suspicious. Their culture has frozen them. They can't even clap their hands. They think it's a sin. So they're sitting there, 7,000 of them. They won't even look at me. I pre- you know what I preach? I preach that which I'm told you can't preach, and it won't work. I preach the blood of Christ. I put up my old Australian charts that show Christ crucified in the blood. And after I preached for about 40 minutes, everybody's looking at me. And I tell how Christ was wounded for our sins, bruised for our iniquities. And I say to them, my beloved Russian brothers and sisters, behold your Christ. You know what happens? You know what happens? They start to cry. 7,000 of them. I make an appeal. You know what happens? People are almost killed by the people running down the front. Now they're raising their hands, falling on their knees. What does that? A poor preacher like me? It's the blood of Christ. It's the power of the gospel. Some of you say, I don't believe it. I've never seen this, my friend. Let God open your heart today. How do you explain that when we had a baptism, General Conference brethren, God bless them, said, uh, we'd like you to baptize a hundred people. That'd be great. Um, in the Volga River, we baptized 2,530 and another 500 a little bit later, so say 3,000. When, when I got up this morning, got up that morning, I thought, what's going to happen? This is new to me. I've never seen anything like this. So I went and preached in the Palace of Sport, and there we had about, oh... 50, 60 big Russian buses. I got in the car next to Alexander Antonuk, uh, conference president, my friend, my translator sitting beside me, a Jewish Christian Adventist. We went in front of the buses and then the police cut us off. These were the police who'd gone down to our church three years before and beat up the pastor and broken up the furniture. Ever had that happen to you? It's going to happen one day in Australia. That's when we'll start doing evangelism again. When we're bleeding, when we get out of this self-complacency and this Phariseeism and this coldness that drives people out. But the police had a loudspeaker. I said, What are they saying? My translator said, he was crying. He said, they're saying, stop the buses, the trolley buses, stop the trams, make way for the Christians. Make way for these Adventist Christians. We got down the Volga River. 
You know who was standing there at attention? A portion of the Russian army. Russian tents set up. Soldiers standing there at attention, saluting. You say God's dead? No, God's not dead. We are. When I meet people to say, couldn't happen in Australia, God is not dead, you are. And a dead man, you know, doesn't know he's dead. He needs to be wakened up by the Holy Spirit. So they had the tents there for the people to get changed. The ladies, the young women came in their wedding dresses. Hallelujah. Ever heard that word before? Say it. Hallelujah. 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 Say it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Then the Russian army gave me a huge truck. And they made some stairs for me out of the boxes they put shells in. Set up the PA system. What can you say about that? That's the power of God. When we went to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, the leader of the Orthodox Church who hates Protestants, and me especially, said, I say this, glory be to God, he said, John Carter will preach here only over my dead body. That was not a real smart thing to say. Because God had called me to preach there. The brethren didn't know if we could go ahead at the meetings. We had a stadium that seated, indoor stadium seated 12,000 people. You know what some people say? They won't come. If they do come, they say they won't stay. Then when you baptize them, they say they'll apostatize. How can God save people who talk like that? He can't until they come to Christ. Just before I got up to preach, a few days before I got up to preach, in a city under siege, the leader of the Orthodox Church was struck down and died. A young man. The priests tried to bury him in the state cathedral. The government said, no, because of what he's done, he can't be buried in the church. Bury him on the footpath. If you go there today, and, I go, and I'll be going there in a couple of months, praise be to God, he is still buried on the footpath. The man who said, over my dead body, don't try to stop God's work, my friend. Now, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in a campaign. I got no idea. I often, I don't know where the money's going to come from because I don't have it when I start. So nine o'clock that morning, I thought, I wonder if my advertising that I used at the opera house is going to work here. Because most of the unbelievers say, well, it won't work here. Won't work in India. Won't work in El Salvador. You're going to get shot in El Salvador. When I went down at nine o'clock in the morning, there were 5,000 people at nine in the morning standing outside. I thought that looks good. The first session was three o'clock. 
I went back at two o'clock. I couldn't get in the street. The place was filled at a hundred thousand outside. The government declared a state of national emergency and closed down the railway system. And every day they tried to stop us. They threatened to put me into prison. They said, we will put you in prison. I said, remember the man who said, over my dead body. Remember him? They said, you cannot hire buses. You cannot, we forbid anybody to rent you buses. But people a hundred miles away heard about it and they sent a hundred buses. We baptized in the freezing waters of the Nipa River on a Sabbath morning, 3,488 precious souls. Hallelujah. There was a lady, lady by the name of Julia Ward Howe. In 1861, she visited the army of the Potomac. When Abraham Lincoln heard the words that she put together in the wee hours of the morning, Abraham Lincoln wept. What different days. Listen to these words. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. You know it. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. I've seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built in him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. I have read a fiery gospel written burnished rows of steel as ye deal with my condemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Listen to these words. Let the hero Born of woman, crush the serpent with his heel. Since God is marching on, he has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make them free. Since God is marching on, he is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is succor to the brave. 
So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of time his slave. Our God is marching on. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Glory. For such a time as this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand.